Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Great to have you here with me for episode number 252 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today, I'm going to be giving you a step-by-step strategy cheat sheet for both singles and doubles. And there's a lot I'm going to cover today, so we're just going to go ahead and, and jump right in. Today's question was submitted from podcast listener David Knoll. David uh, wrote to me and said, I'm a 4.0 player and I've worked on specific strokes with a coach to the point where I'm finally pulling off consistent topspin and slice, attacking or short angle shots in my match play more consistently. Not all the time, of course, but enough that I'm interested in adding more strategy to my game. With a player where I don't know their style and opponents, like in a tournament, how much should I focus on coming in with a game plan for me versus assessing the other guy and adjusting? And what are some good game strategies besides just hitting to their weakness and me using my strengths? I'm interested in having a bigger picture in mind in terms of what I want to do as the match progresses. Or am I overthinking it? Thanks, David. David, thanks for being a listener. Appreciate it. Thanks uh, for the great topic here to talk about. So, no, you're not overthinking it. You've come to a point in your progression as a player where thinking more about the where is critical to your success. As David described, he's spent a lot of time working on the how, how, how to swing the racket. How can we get a, a good result with all the different varieties and types of swings and techniques uh, that we can possibly use to hit a tennis ball. And he, he named several of them. That's what he spent most of his time focusing on up until this point. But the where is a completely different thing. They're two completely different elements. And they're both essential to reaching your potential as a tennis player. Uh, one is more the technical and the other is more the strategic. At lower levels of play, you can be successful with one or the other. And if you've been around the game of tennis for a while, you can totally picture uh, what I'm talking about or what I'm about to describe. Some players are experts when it comes to execution. They're experts when it comes to the how part of the equation. And they, they love obsessing over little technical details and stylistic things. And they spend lots of time, maybe with video, with uh, teaching pros, with the ball machine, just hitting ball after ball after ball, trying to perfect all their different techniques. And then we have players who could care less how they look hitting the ball, but they're really, really effective when it comes to knowing where to hit the ball and when and why. And so they have maybe even ugly looking technique, technique that doesn't look like it should work, but they're excellent at knowing how, just how to win. They're, they're just good at the, tact, the tactical side of the game. Now, of course, if we want to reach our full potential, we want to be proficient in both of those areas, and they're both completely different disciplines. And this is kind of upon reflecting on this episode and outlining this, I've kind of, been, kind of been reflecting on how different, how vastly different those two skills are, and yet how critical they both are to being full as successful as possible. Uh, and t- tennis, the more I study it, I've been studying it for many, many years now, uh, deeply, 
just becomes more and more apparent to me how vast of a body of knowledge and skill you really need and how much is out there to learn and, and try to master it. It's unlimited. And this is just a good example of that. Now, both the technical and the tactical or strategic side of things require a journey of mastery, which is what I just alluded to a little bit. And I, I've talked about these four different phases in a lot of different episodes of the podcast, so I'm, I'm not going to dwell on these right now. But just for the sake of anybody who hasn't heard this before, or maybe a quick review for anybody who's not very familiar, any skill, whether it be a cognitive skill or a technical skill, a physical skill, a mental skill, we have to move through four different phases of mastering each skill. If we want to become uh, fully automatic with whatever that skill is to the point where it's just second nature, we no longer have to think about it, we have to move through these four phases. Phase one is being unconsciously incompetent at whatever that skill or discipline is. So you don't really have any knowledge or information and you can't execute it either. Phase two is being consciously incompetent. So you've gathered some information, some knowledge, maybe you took a lesson, but you still can't execute it well. Phase three is consciously competent. You have that knowledge, you have that information, and now you can also execute correctly, but you have to be conscious in order to do it, meaning you have to be thinking yourself through the process, whatever it is, to actually do it correctly. It's not automatic yet. And the fourth phase is unconsciously competent. This is the ultimate for each of each of our individual skills in tennis. We ideally want to train ourselves to the point where we can just do it without even thinking about it. That's where it's an unconscious habit and we just react. So we have physical skills and we have more strategic skills. And now I'm going to go through and give you three keys for both singles and doubles. We're going to talk about and basically, I'm just going to lay out for you right here what I feel are the most critical elements to strategy so that, David, the next time you go into a match, you will have a plan and a plan after that plan doesn't work, et cetera, et cetera. You'll have a full strategic process to work through the very next time you go out and play a match. And again, for singles and doubles. So three keys to this, to being successful with strategy. Key number one is know your plan A ahead of time and have that down. And David alluded to this briefly, but I'm going to actually give you a specific plan A. And for me, for the vast majority of players, plan A, meaning this is, you know, your your baseline strategy that you head into every match with, that plan A should follow what the most important fundamental tactical and strategic elements are. That's what you should be starting with. The smartest, safest, highest percentage way of playing. Uh, and from there, you can layer other things, and we're going to talk about that. But this is the most simple, most fundamental plan possible uh, that just follows the rules first. And then we, we can start to freelance and adjust from there, but uh, I'll talk to you about how that should work in just a second. So for singles, I'm just going to lay it out really quick. Uh, for singles... And I'm not going to talk about the why or the how here. I'm just going to give you the what. We don't have time. I mean, this would immediately end up just being a course uh, if I, I talked about every facet of this. I'm just going to lay out the what you should be doing. We're not going to go into detail why or, or, or how. But for singles, cross-court is easier and more consistent than down the line. 
when you're back on the baseline. So from the baseline, you should be aiming cross courts with every shot that you have a reasonable opportunity to, unless there's a good reason to not go cross courts. And good reasons could be your opponent is out of position or off balance, or maybe it's just your best shot. Your backhand down the line just happens to be your most confident shot. And so that's the shot you want to hit more often than cross courts. And it's high percentage and it's effective for you. Okay, so you need to know those things about yourself. And then you can deviate from the cross court pattern uh, accordingly if it's, uh, if it's a wise thing to do. But if you don't have a good reason your uh, opponent is struggling or it's a really strong shot for you without a good reason you should just basically hit everything cross court from the baseline that should be your fundamental foundational strategy your plan a heading in to every singles match when you're at the net in singles the rule of thumb is you want to keep the ball in front of you when you're challenged or off balance so if your opponent, this is the opposite from on the on the baseline. Again, I'm not going to go into explaining the why, but uh, this is the what. Uh, when you're getting stretched out, maybe by a passing shot from your opponent or they get it down at your feet, you're being challenged, keep the ball in front of you. So if you're on the right side of the courts, keep the ball to your right. If you're on the left side of the courts, keep the ball to your left. If you're right dead in the middle of the court, then it can be uh, it can be your choice. But moral of the story is you shouldn't be trying for a put-away shot. You should not be trying to angle this shot or finish the point. You should be keeping it in front of you, or it's easiest for you to make a play on the next shot. Hit the ball away from you when you have a finishing opportunity in singles and you're at the net. That's your rule of thumb. On the baseline, aim cross-court, unless you have a good reason. At the net... Keep the ball in front of you if you're challenged. If it's a put-away opportunity, then hit it away from you, a.k.a. with angle, uh, a.k.a. cross courts. So there you go. There's your plan A, uh, your base fundamental plan A. Now, for doubles players, most points at most levels, uh, there's a, going to be a general choice of hitting towards a baseline player and hitting towards a net player. So... If you're on the baseline, you should be keeping it away from that net player at all costs, unless there's a clear offensive opportunity. It's a sitter, or you have a big forehand and the ball is sitting there, just you have a big opportunity to, to attack, then you can start to consider hitting towards the net player. But otherwise, keep it away from that net player at all costs. They're in a position to attack and finish the point. Now, when you're at the net, your target will vary depending on what kind of position you are in, uh, meaning what phase of play you're in. If you're in a defensive position, you should be hitting back to the baseline player at all costs. Do not hit to the other net player when you are at the net and you're in a tough spot. If you're in a neutral uh, situation, meaning you don't really have the upper hand and neither does your opponent, then it's it's your choice based on your comfort level and your skill level. Uh, you can choose to hit towards the net player if you're confident that you can hit a reasonably good shot and challenge him at least a little bit. But if not, just that's fine. Just play it safe and go back to the baseline player where there's much less risk of them finishing the point with a, a clean winner or a winning shot. And lastly, if you have an offensive shot and you're at the net, you should go towards the net player all day. Do not hit towards the baseline player. Uh, huge tactical mistake. So there's your plan A for doubles. You have a choice, usually, between a baseline player and a net player. Uh, when you're on the baseline, keep it away from the net player. If you're at the net and you're defensive, 
hit it towards the baseline player. If it's neutral, your choice, but only hit towards the net player if if you can hit a reasonably good shot. And if you have an offensive opportunity at the net, then hit towards the other net player. So there you go. There's your singles and doubles plan A. And that's this is key number one heading into any match is being very clear on these different target selections and make these, auto, I mean, I've made this as simple as possible and that's on purpose. So Paul and everybody else listening, I'm sorry, David, and everybody else listening, your first task is to make the very, very simple, very basic, very distilled target selections, choices that I just described, make those automatic first. This should be your, your base plan A, unless you have a really, really good reason to deviate from the targeting that I just described. All right, so key two to being successful with strategy is to stick to plan A initially and pay close attention to what's happening. You should be sticking to that plan A for at least the first three to four games of every match. Just pick the smart targets, the boring targets, just play the high percentage shots, and make sure that your focus is external and not internal. And here's what I mean by that. Don't make your focus obsessing over your technique, how you're hitting each and every shot. Don't obsess on how good or bad of a day you're having on the courts. Oh man, my, my forehand, you know, isn't quite hundred percent today. My backhand, you know, feels off, you know, whatever. Uh, it's easy to focus on those things. And on one hand, you want to, ha- you want to have certain level of awareness of, you know, what's happening so that if, for example, your backhand's just totally off, uh, you know that, and you really make sure that, that you adhere to the highest percentage targets possible. But aside from that, you want to make sure that your focus is as external as possible uh, on your opponent. Don't focus on the crowd. Don't focus on the weather or the court conditions or the surface or anything like that. What you should be really obsessing over is what your opponents or opponents are doing especially well and what they're doing poorly. Without that information, you cannot effectively customize and tweak and optimize your plan of attack. And if you have a solid plan A, then that's, that, you know, that's quite frankly, much better than most players have uh, to begin with. Most players don't even have a solid plan A uh, heading into each match. They're just totally making it up as they go, shot by shot, just hitting whatever shot seems to make sense in the moment. And uh, without a solid understanding and background of uh, the geometry of the court and tactics and strategy, whatever random shots they pick are almost uh, guaranteed on average, to not be very effective. And so they're just they're just winging it, uh, shot after shot, game after game, match after match. So if you have a solid plan A, at least you're avoiding that, and you're not falling into that most fundamental trap. Uh, from there, once you have that solid plan A in place and you're ad- adhering to it, it's all about making smart adjustments. And that can only happen if you're focus- focusing closely on what your opponent is doing, what their strengths and weaknesses are. So that's key number two. Start off, uh, give the plan A, you know, a solid chance, at least three or four games, and just observe. Uh, if you're winning, then just stick with the plan A. There's no need to do anything more fancy. There's no need to do anything more complicated or complex. Just keep, just keep playing that high percentage style of play. Just go for the simple, most obvious 
targets until you've won the match. If that doesn't happen, this is where the observation is crucial, and that's key number two. And then lastly, key three is make small tweaks to your plan A. Very rarely do you need to deviate very far from that plan A, that foundational or fundamental strategic approach. So what should you be looking to, to tweak exactly? Well, assuming you're paying close attention uh, to what's happening with your opponent, what they're good at, what they're not good at, you should be looking to do a couple different things. Uh, number one is hit your strength as much as possible. And you can do that by tweaking your positioning, uh, by tweaking where you aim your serve, by tweaking where you hit your return, so that points are setting up more so, uh, so that it's more likely that you'll receive more and more of whatever your favorite shot is. And you have to know that about yourself, whether it be a forehand ground stroke or an overhead or a high backhand volley or an angle volley or whatever. You need to know what shot you want to hit the most and then structure points around that. And that could be a long conversation right there. I'm not going to go into any, any detail, but look to maximize your strengths as much as possible. And then number two, really simple concept, make them hit their weakness as much as possible. You only know what that is if you're paying close attention in the first place. So that means making reasonable changes in direction. So singles players especially, uh, down the line can, can be appropriate if there's a good reason. It doesn't mean that you aim for the line and you try to hit a winner. It means you give yourself solid margin, three, four, five feet of space in between each line, and you make it a confident uh, swing, but without just going for broke. You should be practicing those direction change shots. So if you're receiving, uh, let's say, on the deuce side, you're receiving a forehand uh, cross-court from your opponent, practicing receiving that cross-court forehand and then going down the line uh, to a righty's backhand. You should be practicing those shots so that when you play an opponent who has a really weak backhand and a great forehand, you can calmly and uh, consistently target, even though target that backhand even though it may not be geometrically speaking the smartest shot to go for over and over again so as the match continues you rinse and repeat after you've made those couple small tweaks uh, when you identify some more opportunities uh, you've started with your solid plan a you've paid attention you've made a couple tweaks uh, rinse and repeat stick with that tweaked plan a for two three four games observe see what's happening and then if necessary make a few small tweaks again but give it at least a couple games to see how the momentum shifts or if it shifts and whether or not things are uh, moving in your favor if they are then there's no need to continue tweaking there's no need to continue changing the game plan stick with it until you win the match if on the other hand they adjust don't be annoyed, just make an adjustment back. And this is, this is where things are now starting to get fun strategically, is when uh, you're both paying attention, you're both making adjustments, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard from players uh, uh, a tone of annoyance or frustration that their opponent actually made a tactical change. Uh, for example, I was playing a doubles match. We were serving in volume, and we won the first set. And second set, all of a sudden, they started lobbying everything. Oh, it's so annoying. What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> if you do your job with your, with your plan A and you're taking care of business, you should fully expect to make an adjustment. 
And this is where paying attention is crucial to exactly what they're doing. And then making small tweaks is crucial to try to shift the momentum back in your favor again. So quick review, key, key number one, know your plan A ahead of time. I described what that should be, what the, uh, just a f- purely foundational, fundamental plan A should be. Key number two, stick to plan A for at least three or four games and pay close attention to what's happening. Key number three, make small tweaks to your plan A if necessary. If not necessary, just stick with it and win the match. Uh, if it becomes necessary, then make small tweaks, observe again, and uh, evaluate. Hopefully the the tweak did its job and now the match is moving in your favor. If not, rinse and repeat. Make another small tweak, observe, and then continue. Uh, This is like the the essence of of competition in a game as layered and uh, nuanced and complex as tennis. There's unlimited tactical adjustments And so this is kind of where the fun of tennis comes into play, especially two players who are really aware and have a lot of different skills and are doing their best to find a way to make their opponent uncomfortable. That game of cat and mouse back and forth is one of the most fun things about tennis. Hopefully this is helpful to you, gives you a really solid base foundation uh, to play off of David and everybody else listening. Really hope that this gives you a a bigger picture, David said, uh, in his mind in terms of what you should be looking to do as a match progresses. If you'd like some guidance on how to use your practice time more effectively, most players don't use their practice effectively. It's just the truth. especially you know, team practices, but, uh, but just going out and hitting with a friend. Most players are not using that time the way that they could in order to really get the most out of it and advance as quickly as possible. And we have a free resource for you at tennispracticeplan.com. That's tennispracticeplan.com. It'll lay out for you step-by-step exactly what to do so that your next practice plan is effective, It's purposeful and really gives you the best bang for the buck. And we're all busy people. We don't have unlimited time to practice. So using your practice time as effectively as possible is really critical to your ongoing improvement. Thanks for listening today. If you have a question like David did that you'd like me to answer on a future episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast, send that to Ian, I-A-N, at EssentialTennis.com. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.